Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. up what's up y'all what is going on besties welcome to the best life podcast the best podcast it's danny jizzle and this is uh jizzle coleman um (laughs) (laughs) oh lordy um Um, we were talking about danny's dental work yeah y'all the dentist is the worst also dental insurance is the worst i have dental insurance they said they wouldn't cover I, i had to get a crown they said, oh, we'll cover a crown if it's part of a dentures. I was like, oh, so I need to be about 85 before I can get dental insurance, basically, is what you're telling me. Like, what the fuck does that even mean? No. It, you, they'll only cover a crown if, you, if it's part of your dentures. Also, if you have dentures, why do you need a crown? Isn't there just all your teeth fake? Right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have dentures pretty soon. The worst. I know. The I worst. asked Keith the other day. I'm like, will you still love me when I have all false teeth? <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> Uh, like every 10, what, every 10 years, I feel like a bunch of stuff happens to your teeth. Yeah. Like every 10 years, well, you need a bunch of stuff done. False teeth look pretty good. I'll they tell look you that. Really I saw this good. lady at, at, yeah, I saw this lady at CVS once. She was probably in her sixties or so. She wasn't old, old, but I was like, man, your teeth are so nice. And she's like, oh, they're dentures. And I was, I had no idea. They looked really good. So I was like, shoot. Yeah. No one at, no one at, at 80 years old has nice teeth if they're, they're original. They're either mm-hmm. like you have uh, crowns or you have um, – what's it, the thing where they just put over the top? Veneers. Veneers. My mom just got a veneer. Yeah. I keep calling her like – I oh, keep calling her like yeah. chiclet face, but because <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> remember the, that gum that looks like chiclets, that chiclet gum? Yeah, That's what it yeah. kind of looks like. It looks yeah. good, but you can tell it's fake. It's tricky to match the color. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing with the crown. And this is my very, very back tooth. So she's trying to match and she's like, okay, what color? I'm like, I don't care. It's in the back. doesn't even matter. So, honestly, it does not matter. She goes, well, we could go lighter in case you whiten your teeth. I'm like, I'm not going to whiten the back teeth. Usually right. they just whiten the front. I think yeah. teeth that are too so, white look weird to me, like way too weird. Yeah. Too white teeth. Yep. But although mine could use a little she, brush up. Well, she said if it's too light and you like laugh with your mouth open or something, it look like there's a piece of gum back there. I'm like, I really don't think anybody's looking way at the back of my mouth. And if they think I have gum, I'm not worried. So anyway, yeah, I had to get my first crown and I didn't know. That's pretty good at 40 though. Getting your first one at 40. Nice work. Oh, thanks. I didn't know if it was good or not. It's good. starting to feel like it's falling apart but i didn't realize that all those gold teeth back in the day those were crowns they just used metal mm-hmm. i didn't realize that well I, the amalgam were fillings were mercury remember when we were yeah. kids like you got these like big yeah. uh, mercury I, mean, I remember just being a kid and like drinking all the soda eating all the candy and then these dentists would go in to my teeth like my small person teeth and not baby teeth but small person teeth and make these huge holes and fill them with mercury. So what that does yeah. is it compromises the integrity of the tooth. So of course, at some point that's going to crack, right? And when the mercury like yeah. 
expands or whatever happens, number one, you might be leaching mercury into your mouth, which is obviously not awesome. So I got all my uh, amalgam fillings taken out probably like 15 years ago and replaced with just Mm – and so got all of the metal out of my teeth. But I had a lot of those. And so anyway, that's just set me up for like terrible teeth moving forward because now those teeth are compromised. They crack. You know, they're more susceptible Mm. to cavities, you know, everything. So anyway, back in the 80s, people don't know what they were doing. I guess it was probably the 90s at that point, but – And teeth are so important. Like they're just like – I remember when I started having like really bad teeth, I was just really upset because you're just like – it's like such a big part of your face. Dude, they are so important and it actually like on my list of qualities and a partner – one of the things on there, probably in the top three is good teeth. And it's, <laughs> it's a real fucking thing. Like, I don't know, like you see janky teeth, whether they're like super crooked or super yellow or like have tartar on it. Like you just don't want to kiss that. There's just something about having good teeth and it's, it's legit. And it's also, I was thinking about this. It's also kind of sucky to say, but it's also kind of a class thing. Like if you can't afford dental work is really expensive. And I remember growing up, my mom got us um, braces and she would always say like, you're so lucky we're getting you braces. And she really like sacrificed to be able to pay for braces. And now I really get it. And I appreciate it more because I don't think she had a lot of money to do that. But you know, I could have been like, I could have had some janky chipmunk, chipmunk teeth all through high school. And she really sacrificed to make sure we had good straight teeth. And I, it's, it is a big deal and it's a privilege for mm-hmm. sure. It's funny. Cause I, I just, I posted yesterday on my stories that I was at the dentist and one of my good friends, she was like, I just don't go. I haven't gone in 11 years. And I was like, yeah, oh, I tried no. to not go, but I started to have, I started to have pain. So once you start having pain, you kind of got to go. And then and then the bills start. Then the bills start so. coming in. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing about yeah. it is like you can avoid it for a time, but your teeth keep the yeah. score. So like at oh, some yeah. point you're going to have some major pain. Most people will. Like at some point you're going to have to get something done at that point, which sucks. Like I remember <laughs> I went to the dentist so fucking much in my adult life that my dentist became one of my like best friends when I lived in North Carolina. <laughs> we like went to Paris together. <laughs> like she was 61. <laughs> And I was like 30, yeah. but we like, yeah, she, I personal trained her for years. Like she's so fun. And so she would always tell me in this like really thick Southern accent, she would say, well, darling, she was like one of those people that like always called you like darling or sweetheart. And she'd say, well, sweetheart, you don't have to floss all your teeth, just the ones you want to keep. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. If you want to keep them, you got to floss them. So funny. I swear every- Every time I floss, I hear you saying that because I'll like just floss the couple that feel like there's food in there. Like, shit, <laughs> you gotta do a lot. Why is it why such the? the why is it the worst chore? Like, why is it the uh, so hard to do? Uh, Some people love flossing. Feel it? No, it's like an uncomfortable feeling too. All of the tinkering in my mouth and just that. Mm-hmm. And I know if it's uncomfortable, that means there's probably irritation or bacteria in the gums there which means I need to do it more, right. but it makes you want to do it less, right? right. It's like st- it's like stretching. It hurts, so you don't want to do it, but you know that you need to do it to make it not hurt. It's just this conundrum. Yep. I do this. I have this so, really bad yeah. habit of right after I get a cleaning, I don't floss for like two weeks because I'm like, well, clean slate. Don't need to floss for a while. <laughs> and then it's so much harder to get back into the habit. I'm just like, this is fucking stupid. It's like someone going and getting a bypass surgery and being like, let's head to McDonald's, like clean slate. Like that's what it feels like to me. I'm like, all cleaned up. Don't need to floss for a couple of weeks. At least after you're not like, well, I don't have to brush my teeth. Yeah, no. No, I need to brush. 
Oh well, God. hopefully okay, that works well, out for you. <laughs> yeah. This episode has nothing to do with that. Um, but but we should be sponsored. But we enough. need like a teeth sponsor. Like we need like Colgate. Yeah. Or a um, I don't know. What are some of the natural brands? Yeah. You know what? Speaking of like legit, I don't know a lot about fluoride, but I always refuse it. Maybe I shouldn't, but I, I just... I refuse a lot of things when I go for cleaning. I refuse for them to do the, I refuse fluoride and I also refuse uh, for them to do the polish. I hate that. So basically they just chip away all the tartar that. and they suck it out and then they don't do the rest. They're like, okay, we're gonna do the polish. I'm like, no, 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 no. Do we have to? And when I, when I started learning that you could just say no to stuff, I was like, oh, <laughs> thank God, these are the, this is the part that I hate and it's not required. It's just, they're like, oh, we just think people like it or it feels good. I'm like, no, I don't like it and it doesn't feel good. So let's not. I love how you just, so you just summed is- up adulthood in one sentence. When I learned I could say <laughs> no, I just said no. <laughs> yeah. A lot of us need that advice. Oh shit! I'm like X-rays, and then just scrape the tartar, and then it's time to go. Yeah, that's all I do. I hate when they just clean your entire mouth with a metal pick. Like Ugh. she was doing it. I went in like two weeks ago, and she's doing it, and she's in one spot for like such a long time. And I just, I started going. I started like, if you guys aren't watching me on the video, but I started like looking at her and doing like this, and being like, I mean, like kind of like <laughs> flinching. And then I go, "Do we get it yet?" <laughs> <laughs> literally, <laughs> did we get it yet? Like, why are we still? I'm like, you're literally like, I can tell my gum is just bleeding. Did we get it? Uh, I think we got it. Let's move on to the next tooth. It's like getting a tattoo shaded in the same spot over and over, just you're like, rubbing it's dark on the enough. spot. You're like, got it. Yeah, it's already done. Just stop. Just stop. Well, what are we talking about today? Uh, Anyway, well, I saw this um, Instagram post. It was in my explore tab and I, I it was kind of cut off. So it, it caused me to stop and click on it because it said something about rehab. And I was like, what is this? But it was a headline. It says, I taught my partner to be the perfect man, but being a rehab girlfriend drained me. And the post, she goes on to say, I asked him to wipe the toilet seat after he'd been to the toilet. He didn't know how to make a meal of simple scrambled eggs. And more than that, it was clear he didn't know how to communicate his emotions. And basically this term called rehab girlfriend has kind of popped up on TikTok, how these girls have basically helped their boyfriends become better partners by teaching them new skills, um, improving their emotional intelligence and communication, how to clean the house, domestic tasks. And then they're fucking exhausted and she's not the one and they break up. And then he goes on to his new girlfriend as a much better boyfriend than when they started. And I can so relate to this because I feel like I've been a rehab girlfriend or I've like, I felt like I've dumped some guy and then I've seen him go and I'm like, wait, what, why didn't you do that when we were together? Mm. So I wanted to talk about this and um, just the term and have you been there? And also like, should we be that for people or, or I want to receive, so. I want to receive <laughs> a already rehabbed boyfriend. Like that's what I want. I want <laughs> yeah. someone else to do yeah. the work. And then I received, but I did have, so you sent this to me earlier and I was thinking about it. I just went for a walk and I was actually thinking about this. Um, you know what I find interesting about this is that you matched when he wasn't at that level, right? Like you matched for some reason. So I wonder if even, if it's even possible, if you change someone to the level where you've literally like changed them to the point where they're like, not, it's not, not only they're not attracted to you, it's just not a match anymore for them, yeah. which is maybe what it's not. Yeah. Cause like for some reason you guys came together at that point. So there was something about him 
that was attractive to you. Something about otherwise you wouldn't have been wanting to be in a relationship with him. So I wonder if it's even possible if someone changes a ton in a relationship to even stay in that relationship, like because it's like you're actually just a different person at that point. You can communicate your emotions yeah. clearly, like you know what you're feeling. You're able to, you know, like you're considerate, like you know how to cook. Like I mean, you have like these are like skills yeah. that you've acquired as a result of being in this relationship. And, you know, I think we have done, we've done episodes on like falling in in love with potential. We've also done an episode on this idea that, um, uh, like supporting your man through his hard times. And then he leaves because he's like, Oh, you know, I know you supported me while I was getting my law degree. And now I'm like multiple six figure earner peace out. I'm going to see what I can, how I can do better. So there is this question of like, are you even compatible if one person changes that much? Even though you are mm. trying to change him for the better, is it even a fit yeah. anymore? Are you changing him? Or are you both changing so much that it's not even a fit anymore? Well, I'm not sure if it's – and kind of what I was getting out of it was it's not so much that they're changing so much they're not a fit. It's that the girl's so exhausted oh. from doing all the changing. <laughs> it's that she's like, this was so exhausting to get you to become this person that I wanted – that now I'm not even attracted to you because I had to like teach you all this shit. Mm. I, that's kind of, well, that's unattractive that's kind of in general. Idea. I was getting at it. But I'm also like, yeah. why did you wait till he yeah. was a completely different person to get tired? Like you should recognize <laughs> in the first true. couple of months of trying to like mentor this boyfriend that <laughs> so this ain't, ain't attractive. It's just not attractive. And then you have to yeah. ask yourself like, what about you? Feels yeah. like you're getting something out of this, right? Like, yeah, you can say you're exhausted, but on some level you're getting something out of getting this person or mentoring this person or getting them to the point where you want them to be that perfect boyfriend. So maybe yeah. once that's over, you have no more project. So you it's lose true. interest. This might be, yeah, this might be like a codependent kind of strategy. Like you need someone to need you and you need to be able to, you need to have a project. Like maybe you're a flipper. <laughs> you're, Your boyfriend flipper. Job, you can be like, I'm a boyfriend flipper. <laughs> I bring them in when they're low and then I flip them for a higher value. And I send them out into the world actually, to make, to, uh, to get <laughs> the next, make the next, have the next girlfriend. I don't know. Yeah. I actually feel like I had a boyfriend, um, my third boyfriend, maybe I was the project because I remember he used to joke around when he met me. He's like, when I met you, you wore granny panty underwear. And like, I didn't shave my armpits and stuff. I was very much a hippie. And so he like taught me, he was so grossed out by my underwear. He's like, you have to wear thong. Like he got me to wear thongs, uh, like, yeah, like G strings. He was very, and I was freaked out. I was just, I don't know, 21 or something, 22. I was very much like very little girl, I guess. So he was like trying to make me be more sexy. So he, he feels like he's responsible for teaching me how to shave and wear like grown-up underwear, which I kind of laugh about, but also, like, future boyfriends probably appreciated that, I'm sure. I'm sure definitely some of them did. I'm sure some of them wouldn't give a shit, but... And now you wear no underwear. I I know. I know. Now I've graduated to none. (laughs) Now I've graduated to none. I wear underwear, like, one time of the month, where I'm like, just in case there's a leak. Yeah. But, yeah, I, uh, I find this interesting, you know, the the idea, like what you're saying is you're with somebody long enough and then like how you're getting tired of them now that they're, now that they're ready. And the, what was the part of you that was attracted to them at the beginning? Why didn't that like, why didn't those red flags, the quote red flags at the beginning, not just go, 
you know what? This is a child. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to cook scrambled. He doesn't know how to cook scrambled eggs and doesn't know how to communicate. Like we shouldn't be in a relationship instead of taking that time to put in the effort. But I think it does kind of go back to that falling in love with potential. Like I can see that they're able, that they will be really amazing. But unfortunately, if you don't get to, you're not the beneficiary of that amazing, then you're just wasting your time. I think there is definitely that where it's like, this could be a project for me. But also I think there's this idea and I definitely, especially after my divorce, I think I sort of fell into this idea of like, I want to set my expectations lower because I don't want to be in a position where I remember I went on a date with a guy. Um, gosh, this is like maybe 2017. Went on a date with a guy, and he was so good looking. I've never been. I've never like felt like kind of like um, like self conscious about that. And I was like, and I almost like couldn't even look at him. I was like, I I found myself being like, I don't even know if I'm if I'm in this league, like I remember having that feeling and I've never had that feeling before. So I, I, so I think sometimes we could, it just feels safer to maybe get into a relationship yeah. with someone who isn't really at the level, you know yeah. what I mean? Cause then we go, well, okay, like I'm going to take what I can get, or at least I know that I'm like the hotter one in this relationship, or I'm the more put together one in this relationship, right? I'm the one who's, you know, he's quote unquote marrying up when we're together. And then you're like, okay, so now like I have the, the, like, a, I don't know what's it called. Like I have a leg up a little bit, you know, but then yeah, it's like, okay, let's see what we can hand. do within the context of a relationship. So I think there, there is something. And I definitely, after my divorce fell into a trap of being like, I don't want to be with someone who might cheat on me again. And if someone is really mm-hmm. dialed and someone has their shit together and someone's attractive and, you know, like, and someone's like sexy or hot or successful, yeah, I might get, there's the chance of me getting cheated on again or higher. And I found myself mm. maybe choosing people who I felt like I was maybe more attractive than, or maybe I was more mm-hmm. um, successful than or whatever, you know, cause it was like, that was a, a kind of a, um, a safety mechanism. I think it was a little bit of a control mechanism, safety mechanism. And so I could see getting interested with that and being like, okay, now let's work on it. Now that we're together, now let me get you to the point where I need you. Yeah. You know, I I think it's a really, really honest of you to say that and share that because I think a lot of people do get into a relationship where maybe not even consciously, but a little bit subconsciously where it's either we don't think we deserve someone who's more attractive or we have a fear of like, if they are, then I might not be good enough for them and they could leave or, or it could be attractiveness, successfulness, just somehow a little bit better in whatever, whatever area. So I think that's really real. I think though, in general, I like to think that a good relationship leaves you better off as a person anyway. So no matter what relationship I'm in, ideally the person is better off from being with me, right? I, I like that idea. However, the the human part of me, if I'm breaking up with someone, I want to be like, no, you are the shitty one. Like, get out of this. And I want you to be worse off than me, right? But I know there was this meme back in the day I read, I was like when we were early single and it said, if you, if we break up, you have to forget all the cool shit I taught you. And I was like, yes, I don't want you to like have these cool things that we did together and have it in your next relationship. So like this, this petty, this petty part of me wants to, to like not have them be better off. But the truth is, is if I'm in a relationship 
I hope that I learn more from each relationship that I'm in, that I'm better for each relationship that I'm in, whether they're short-term, long-term. I learned something about communication. I learned something about boundaries. I learned something about what I like and don't like. Maybe I've learned something in bed that's more fun or something. And I think too, when it comes to it, when you, you decide to be with a person, you'd like to think that like the bone, the bones are good, right? You know, when they, when they're rehabbing a house, it's like, okay, this house has good bones, but maybe it just needs a little more interior design and redecorating or paint or whatever. So these women are getting into the relationships. They got to believe that the bones are good. And then they're just slapping on the paint. So if you're doing a whole overhaul, like if you're knocking down to the bare, to the baseboards and, or like the foundation and you're rebuilding up, that seems more like a you problem that you're looking for something to fix than like a compatibility problem. Mm -hmm. And that's where, that's where it comes down to, I think, working on yourself, going to counseling and going, what is it about me that is trying to like totally take a guy from zero from the studs and build him up. And then I either can't hold that or I'm so exhausted outputting that I can't be in this relationship anymore. Cause that's a lot of fucking energy that you could be putting into yourself you could be putting into your business that you could be putting into the relationship as an entity instead of just that one person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, I also just want to say like for a lot of people, and this is definitely me included, um, like being a mentor to a male partner is unattractive to me. Like it just doesn't, I don't, I think for some women, um, there's a, a desire to want to take care of and want to, um, nurture and want to like be that sort of more maternal sort of feel like, you know, I'll take care of you. I, I'm going to make you dinner like and whatever. And that's fine. And I think for most women, that's probably true. That's not what I personally am attracted to. And I think if we can get into this more like mom, son dynamic, that's kind of what it feels like to me to where I'm like, I'm raising a child into like adolescent. And, you know, Keith and I had sort of a come to Jesus a couple of years into our relationship where I was like, look, I'm not in, in the like it, it, we can decide what we want to do, but like, I'm not in the business of like trying to bring an adolescent to, uh, to make a grown ass man. Like I'm just not into that. And he was, he had been single for like many years before and whatever. And so it was more like, you know, do you want to rise to the occasion and do we want to build this thing together or are we good here? Or we've like learned our lesson and we're good. And so I think it's, you know, it yeah. is important, especially if you've been with someone for a long time to, to think about what the dynamics are. I think so many women, especially we just end up getting into this dynamic where like we wake up and it's been five or 10 years and we're like, why do I feel like I'm his mom? Or I'm like nagging all the time or like, you know, it's that weird. Like I always talk about this example, like everybody loves Raymond where like the wife is like neurotic, like, and he's, and she's like, and he's always like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm late. And he's like the, do, like the dopey, like husband. And I'm just like, I feel like that's a narrative so much in society. And I just think that that's not sexy or true. And I think for a lot of women, they don't want that. They want a partner who holds it down, who like, isn't that like dopey, you know, like, oh, sorry, I was watching the game and I lost track of time. Like, it's just like, no, like be on your shit, especially women who are, who probably listen to this podcast are dialed. They're driven. They're ambitious. They probably want a partner who brings it, who they feel like they don't have to bring up to that level. And yeah. so I would say that if you're constantly feeling like you you like the process of, of rehabbing a partner, I would say you have to look at yourself. Why is that? Yeah. I will also say, and I'm sure you have you know, maybe your two cents on this as well, related to this, not the exact same thing, but related to this is like our my ex-husband's infidelity and our divorce was such a huge catalyst for him 
to do so much personal development work to the point where that dude is like honest fucking Abe. He will never tell a lie. Like he's so honest. He's so trustworthy because of everything that he did and his embarrassment around his actions and things like that. And I'm like, gee, I wish (laughs) that he was like that in our relationship. But the relationship was the vehicle and the breakup was the vehicle and the, the infidelity was the vehicle to propel him to become a different person. I guess in many ways it was the vehicle I needed too, to, pro- to propel me into a different – but it, there is something really bittersweet about that where you're like, wow, this person was really great and then they had their big transformation after we broke up as a result of our breakup and I don't get to um, enjoy the fruits of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate and a lot of times that does happen and it's not to say that that's your fault or your problem, but it just is the reality of things. And a lot of times that's how we learn our lessons too. Um, I think that you said something about if you're the person that likes kind of rehabbing this guy, but I think there's a lot more people out there that are like, I don't like this, but I'm doing it. And I am raising Mm. a child and I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something maybe I should, we should have Kelly on again and and bring her up. But I remember working with Kelly and saying some of those similar things. When I started working with her, it was right after my um, separation from my ex-husband. And there was a lot of things that I was feeling like I was taking over. I'm like, cause he just won't step up. He just won't do it. So I did. And she said, she challenged me a couple of times. She's like, well, what if you didn't, what if you just step back? and let it fall apart. And I was like, cause everything would fall apart. She's like, well, what it, I'm like, well, it seemed to be. And so I think a lot of times we, as women think that everything is going to fall apart. If we don't step in, if we don't do it, then we, then everything mm. will fall apart. But the challenge I would say to all of us who are in that trap. And if we don't want to be the mom is like, say, you, you just stop, you go, I am removing myself from this um, dynamic. I'm not going to be the mom and I'm going to see what happens. And if it falls, it falls. But also you can't keep blaming the man for not stepping up and not doing it. If you're not allowing him to step Mm. up. If, and I, I thought about this in my own life, how my mom used to be, um, she, she'd like yell at me to clean my room. And at some point, if I didn't do it in her timeframe, she would just do it for me. So it trained me basically to just to never do it. Cause I'm like, Oh, if I don't do it long enough, she's going to do it for me. And this is what we're probably doing to a lot of these men. We're like, I'm asking him to take out the, the trash. I'm asking him to do this and he doesn't. So then you do it for them. And then you're only perpetuating the fact that he's a child. So you almost have to just go, okay, let's see what happens. Like the trash might pile up for three or four days. It might get mistaking out at some point, either he learns or you're going to know. But I think we get to this place where we're like, I have to do this rehab. I have to fix this. I have to do it. And I have to step up. And the truth is we're not allowing them to fail and to learn from their mistakes. And it's really hard not to, because I think it's part of our survival instinct and our just like need to get it done and whatever uh, time frame we're wanting things to get done or whatever, however we need it to look. But if we can kind of trust them to figure it out to let them fail and think about your kids. I think, you know, we, we have this with children more often, like we're going to let them fail. We're going to let them see what happens. We're going to let them uh, get the consequences. And I know some parents don't. So that's maybe this is also, and I'm not a parent, so I'm not giving parenting advice, but I feel like I was given that autonomy as a child where sometimes my parents probably could have come in and saved me and they didn't because they're like, she needs to learn. She's got to figure it out. And I think we also need to if we are in this dynamic with a partner that we've been with for 10, 15 years, maybe this isn't a dating girlfriend. You're like, I have a husband who literally is a child. They can't take care of himself. Well, 
That, is that really true? Like if you left for two weeks and went on a vacation, would everything in the house fall apart? Probably not. Like it may not get done and things might not work how you wanted them to, or they might not run the same exact way, but likely he would step up and step in and figure it out. So I think we also have to be careful that we're not infant infantilizing. Mm -hmm. Is that the mm -hmm. word? Like making these men be children mm -hmm. because of the way we're stepping in and becoming their mom when it doesn't have to be that way. So I, as I'm like speaking this out loud, I just, I feel like I've been there where I've put, um, I've done this to my ex-husband and I basically was like determining for him what he would and wouldn't do, but I never actually gave him the chance to fail or to step up because I was so afraid he wouldn't, that I didn't even allow yeah. anything to happen, anything to happen otherwise. I love that. And it's such a good reminder. Um, the one thing that I am wondering about that was actually in the post that you read was that she taught him how to communicate his feelings. I feel mm -hmm. like without coaching, most men won't learn that. <laughs> like, I don't think, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think like taking out the trash or whatever, like, okay, yeah. Like, you know, you could leave for a week and see if he takes out the trash. I think like that, some of that stuff, I think, again, gross generalization, but most at least, you know, heterosexual men probably won't initiate learning how to communicate their feelings unless yeah. someone in the relationship is like, hey, this is important and like we need to look at this. I just don't think – I'm trying to think of Keith. Like I don't think that he left his own devices. I don't think he would ever. So I think in yeah. that way – you can feel a little bit caught between a rock and a hard place because you're like, in order to progress this relationship or have the relationship I want, then my partner does need to learn communication. My partner does need – and then at that point, once you realize that is what you need out of your partner, then you can decide if you're the one who's going to train him or not on it, right? Like then it becomes like, okay yeah. – if this is important to me, because it's not just taking out the trash, not just letting, you know, letting the chips fall in terms of the chores or whatever. Now it's like, okay, this relationship is actually not meeting my needs because I'm not able to have the kind of conversations I need to have in this relationship because I can sit here all day long and talk about my feelings and communicate those effectively and do the quote unquote, do the work and, and everything. But if I do that, then I just feel like I'm kind of talking to a wall. You know, I'm talking to someone who doesn't, he's not at the level uh, of EQ, I guess, like emotional intelligence, right? It's like not at the level of emotional intelligence, not at the level of being able to communicate articulately. Maybe it turns into defensiveness or, you know, avoidance or whatever. And at that point, you're like, I'm not having fun. So you have a choice at that point. You can say, okay, do I want to do the work to get him to open up? I think we've done whole episodes on this. Do I want to do the work to sh to get him to the point where we can have the kind of conversations I want to have or do I bounce? I don't think there's a right or wrong, by the way. I don't think it's saying like, hey, like you're staring at Mount, Mount Everest and you're like, that's right. going to be a lot of fucking work. I'm just going to bounce and try yeah. and find someone else who's already at the level. That's certainly one way. But if you're like, I love this person, we match on a lot of different things. We have a lot of other things in common. We have a lot of other things that bring us together. We have good uh, sexual compatibility. We have good lifestyle compatibility. It's just this one thing that I'm not getting my needs met and I need them met from him. Like I can't go to my friends or whatever. Then like you might have to put in some work on that, right? You might have to decide, do I want? And then is he even receptive? Is he even Does he even want to? Because if he doesn't want to learn and like practice because it is a skill, right? We talk about this a lot. Communication is a skill, like self-awareness is a skill. 
So if he doesn't even want to do that, then you're like, well, why would I even care? Right. If you're not willing to do it, but if he yeah. is willing, then at some, then again, you have the choice to, okay, yes, I, now I want to do this because I know I'm going to get something more out of this because I can go and be single and live alone and take out my own damn trash. But when it comes to communication, you know, it is, do I, is the grass greener? Do I go find someone else already at the level? That's one option. Or do I stick it out because mm-hmm. we have so many good things here and I can see that he's willing and he's open. And so I can make that decision if I want to, if I want to bring him up to the speed on that too. I love that. I think ultimately, you know, at the beginning, it, it's like, this is a very, this particular topic kind of came from girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, the person met and then they became better after. But I think starting at the match point, like early on, if it just seems like such a big project, then the matching probably isn't good to begin with. Like there needs to be a certain level of equality. I feel like if there's such an equality gap, it's going to not end well either way. So I don't know. I think ultimately like start my friend, uh, a good friend of mine said, you have to fix your picker. (laughs) So if you're picking, if you're picking bad people to begin with and you have to do all of that front end work, it's probably, I think you probably know, maybe you have a bad picker and that needs to like shift at the beginning. There's always going to be, I mean, we're always going to have to work on communication in a relationship. It's probably going to be more difficult for men to share their feelings and emotions. Even one who's already done a lot of the work, um, just because you're a different person and people trigger each other differently. There's probably going to be dynamics both ways and there might be things like with you maybe he's teaching you how to wear the right underwear I don't know but but if it's too uneven then I think that's going to cause the bigger problems and that's going to make one person more exhausted than the other but I think teaching things and helping somebody get better is par for the course in a relationship I feel I feel like I've learned a lot of things in this relationship I learned a lot of things in all the dating relationships I had before this one and in my marriage and I think I've gotten better at every single thing due to those things. So I don't think it's wrong to quote rehab, but if you're like, like I said earlier, if you're doing a full tear down and build up, that might be a whole Mm -hmm. other problem. Yeah. That's a you problem. But I do want to validate (laughs) this. This is, I I think that a lot of people can probably relate to this and, and also either, either end up ending up exhausted, ending up resentful or ending up just mm-hmm. unattracted, right? Now all of a sudden there's just like no yeah. attraction. So yeah. And of course it can always feel like a little bit of a twist of the knife if they leave after all of that and go have a great relationship with someone else and be a perfectly beautiful home. <laughs> well manicured, nice landscaping, central air conditioning. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. Well, exactly. this is a good one. And uh Thanks for bringing it up. And uh, anything else to add? No, I'm good on that. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our 10-minute dental talk. But if you have any teeth questions, you can direct those to me. I'm pretty much an honorary dentist. Danny, Danny, like, messed me like two weeks ago with their symptoms. And I'm like, you've probably this. And she's like – and then she went and got the – and she's like, yeah, it's that. I'm like, I knew. I knew it was a crack. Sounded suspicious. (laughs) Pretty much had everything wrong with my teeth. You know what's so funny about that is I was so embarrassed – when like with about my teeth like when I had bad teeth but I then like I was blogging and I like would went to like write about my teeth and I had so much shame around having bad teeth now I'm just like fuck it like it just is what it is partially genetic partially a lot of Mountain Dews growing up it just is what it is but yeah I, I really was embarrassed by that and I'm just like well 
I don't know. So yeah, now I'm basically a dentist. So if you have any questions, just DM us at the Best Life Podcast. I'll be happy to look That's at your x-rays. True. We'll talk amalgam fillings. <laughs> Tell me what tooth it is, tooth true. number it is, and we'll go deep on it. Dr. Jill, she will definitely <laughs> diagnose diagnose your dental work as a side, as a little side um, uh, hobby and coaching. Yep. All right, y'all. Well, thanks for being here. Let us know if you have ever been a rehab girlfriend or you feel like you might currently be one. Uh, we would definitely love to hear from you. Hit us up in the DMs at The Best Life Podcast and join our free Facebook group by going to thebestlifepodcast.com and clicking on the link to join that free group. And of course, if you have any questions, comments, or anything you would love for us to talk about or riff on, we always are open for those. And uh, y'all are the best. Thanks for being here. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.